Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Go from dragging yourself to work each day to finding a job you love. The Career Spring program is for high-achieving and ambitious mid-level professionals like you who are looking for a job that uses your zone of genius, recognizes your value, and pays you what you're worth. If you're ready to learn more, schedule a complimentary consult using the link to my calendar in the show notes. Be sure to follow me on Exclusive Career Coaching on Facebook, Lisa Edwards on LinkedIn, and Lisa.Edwards on Instagram. Greetings. How's it going, folks? Lisa Edwards here. How are you doing? Is it super hot where you're at? I'm I'm really over this summer has been hot even by Florida standards. I think hot by the world's standards from what I understand. And the thought of putting a sweater on because I need it to go outside is really appealing to me right now. <laughs> How you're feeling about these things. Hey, I wanted to talk about what's happening in the job market and what it means for job seekers. And the reason I want to talk about this is because I am experiencing and seeing really unprecedented levels of concern, confusion, uncertainty, and really an unwillingness to move forward in people's careers to make a, certainly to make a bold change, but in many cases to make any change at all. And I really wanted to break this down in in two parts. And one is, what are the statistics telling us? Hopefully I can make those interesting. I have to tell you a little story. I have listened to statisticians, especially when I was in higher education, on multiple occasions. And whenever I was, you know, invited to come to this thing to learn about whatever it was they were teaching, I was like, oh, this sounds really boring. And they're always the most interesting presentations I ever go to because good statisticians are really good at telling you what the data mean, not just what the data are. So hopefully I can I can emulate that a little bit today. But then the second part of it is what does that mean for you? Because I think there's a real disconnect between what the data are saying in many cases and what you guys as job seekers or career managers, even if you're not looking to change jobs, but maybe move up within your company, what you're experiencing. I think it's fair to say that in many companies, the corporations are experiencing the same emotions, if you will, if a corporation can ex- experience an emotion that I just expressed for the individual. So they're they're in fear, they're in uncertainty, they're in confusion as well. And as you can imagine, with all of that fear, confusion, uncertainty going around all the way around, it really makes for a challenging climate in the in the work world. According to an article from the Wall Street Journal, nearly 4 million workers left the job market in the first months of the pandemic. And that was a the lowest level of employment, right? So many people exited that that was the lowest level since 1983. And while I was out of college in 1983, I don't particularly remember what was going on, although I kind of do now that I think about it a little bit, because I was in my first job and I think it began a couple of years before that because I remember I struggled when I got first got out of college to find my first job. So here, as we as we talk about what happened in the pandemic, some of the workers left because 
their employers could no longer operate as they had pre-pandemic. So their job no longer existed or it couldn't exist in the same way. And so they had to eliminate those jobs, significantly cut back on those jobs. Others left the workforce because they needed to care for children who were now having to homeschool or they had to care for elderly family members or others that were affected by the pandemic in one way or the other. And then still others thought, you know, while I'm out of work and I'm getting these benefits that are pretty generous from the government, let me take this opportunity to to look at my career path and see if I might want to go in a different direction, make a career pivot, career invention, start my own business, whatever. Since the pandemic, the resurgence of mid-career workers, which is defined as those between the ages of 25 and 54, so think of that as kind of prime working time, working age, has been led by women. So if you think about that, that makes sense, right? More women had to leave the workforce either because the nature of their job was such that it couldn't be performed during the pandemic, or women are still primarily the primary caregivers. And so the children, you know, staying at home and schooling from home, or parents' issues, those kinds of things fell primarily on women. So the resurgence since the pandemic has been led by women. As of June 2023, the labor force participation rate, so those in the labor force for prime age women, so again, 25 to 54, was the highest on record at 77.8%. And that compares to men, in case you're wondering. The male participation rate in June was at 83.5%. So if you think about it, roughly three out of every four women are working, and roughly about four out of every five men are in the workforce. So it's a tight labor market in many sectors, and the unemployment rate has been at or near a 50-year low for more than a year. But here's the thing. It's very sector-dependent. I think we all heard about some pretty massive layoffs in the tech sector earlier this year. You've You've got massive exodus from some of the fields that were negatively impacted, like healthcare and education, not because they were being forced out, quite the opposite. They were being worked to the bone in ways that they never had before, and they wanted to exit that field. So what does all of this mean for job seekers? Employers can't afford to be as choosy or selective. I think we, we've seen some interesting shifts there. The better employers, and I really want you to hear me say better employers, I'll, I'll argue the best, the ones who get to be at the front of the line when employment needs are, are out there. They are working around, you know, child care issues, elder care issues. They're being more flexible around work hours and also work from home, hybrid environments. They're being more accommodating. They're looking at their business from a business perspective and also a human perspective. What, Where are the areas that we can be flexible, that we can give in order to get the best employees? They're also, and I think this is real interesting, more willing to hire previously retired employees on other older and other older workers. Now, I didn't research that for this this for this episode, but I think you know we saw a lot of people who retired kind of prematurely, or it was retirement time, but they really weren't planning on retirement, so it wasn't necessarily premature, but it wasn't in their timeline because of the pandemic, either because of health concerns or again their job wasn't available for them anymore. Employers have also raised wages. They've improved benefits in recent years, all in an effort to attract top top talent, and in some cases, to attract any talent at all. 
We've certainly seen salaries go up in the service sector and some of the lowest paid workers that are getting paid, you know, comparatively generously because it's so hard to find folks. So what if the economy cools? Because there's a lot of talk of that. And there are some concerns that the Fed trying to bring down the interest rates, bring down inflation through interest rates, is going to cause unemployment to rise too much and push some of the most vulnerable workers back to the sidelines, right? So that's not going to be as a, as much affecting mid-career folks, professionals, white-collar workers as it is, again, those in the service industry. Currently at 3.6% as of June 2023, the unemployment rate is expected to rise by the end of the year to about 4.1% and then go up to about 4.5% next year. And that's going to suggest that the economy is going to lose tens of thousands of jobs So we have this mixed bag in the economy. Unemployment is low. Employers seem to be, the good employers, seem to be getting creative around how to attract and retain the best workers. There seems to be more flexibility. I have said since pandemic that the the employers who dig their heels in and say, this is how work was done pre-pandemic and we are going back to it, without a corresponding compelling business reason, are going to be at the back of the line when it comes to getting top talent or really any talent at all. So those are the statistics and the forecasts. Now let's talk about what I see and the disparity that I see between the need for employees on one hand. So you've got these employers that are saying we can't find good help. We can't get them. They come, They don't want to work, all of that. And I belong to the Society for Human Resource Management, my local chapter. And I hear this battle cry, if you will, every month when I go to the monthly meetings. It's a constant struggle for HR folks. And on the other hand, you've got employees who are incredibly frustrated at the hiring process that's going on, the way that they're having to go about getting a job. Number one, in my opinion, to blame is technology. It's created this barrier between employees and candidates, employers and candidates, that often does not speed up the process, doesn't streamline it, and it creates frustration among candidates. It also creates this sense of it's impersonal. It's very impersonal, and it doesn't feel like the candidates don't feel like they are desired. They don't feel like they're being wooed, if you will. And especially in certain fields, and when you get to a certain certain level, you want to be wooed. Employers are losing their best candidates because of these lengthy, cumbersome processes that they go through. I saw a source recently, and I don't have it in, in front of me, but it said something like a candidate will stay in a candidate pool for 10 to 14 days before moving on to more promising opportunities. That's not very long. And when I hear about these people who have gone through, I had one candidate who had 12 interviews with the same company before they hired the internal candidate, mind you. I don't know how I would feel about that if I was the internal candidate. But the point is you can't have 12 rounds of interviews. You just can't. A, there's something broken with your process as an employer, but also you are going to lose the best candidates because here's what happens. The longer a candidate process goes on, you're not losing the the low-hanging fruit. They're not dropping off because their other options are limited. You're losing the top-line candidates, the best of the best. I could give a 10-hour lecture on what employers need to do to create a more candidate-friendly and candidate-attracting environment in their hiring process. I actually spoke to our local SHRM chapter back last year at their annual conference on this con- on this topic of 
you know, kind of from the employee's perspective, what are they experiencing and and how employers can make that process more attractive and more streamlined. And it was a, to say that, first of all, the room was packed to overflowing. They had to turn people away. And second of all, it was a very vigorous conversation. People were very interested in that topic. But that's not the point of today. I do want to talk about now what you as a candidate can do to make the hiring process more palatable and successful for you. Now, keep in mind, we are talking about a somewhat passive process, because if we're if we're talking about applying the job, that means a job's been posted. So we're in that passive side of the equation. Remember, active jobs, active job search strategies are ones in which you are in the driver's seat. So it's networking based. So this is a passive strategy. But I want you to move the needle towards being an active strategy. It's still passive, but less passive, more active by doing these things. The other side of it, so in addition to helping yourself out because you're you're doing things to make yourself stand out, it's also going to feel more empowering to you. You're going to feel like you've got some speak, some con- some say-so, some control in this process. So the first thing I want you to do is follow up. So after you submit your application materials, follow up with an email or a phone call, whatever you can do based on the information that you have to make sure that, number one, your materials were received. And I have a personal experience of applying one time, not hearing in a timely manner, reaching out, and then they they said they'd never received it. And it was just simply a glitch in the system. I don't, to this day, know, you know, if I missed pushing a button or if the button just didn't work that, I don't know. But I would have never known that had I not reached out and called them. And of course, then I immediately reapplied. Now, this can't, you can't do this if you're working through a recruiter. You can reach out to the recruiter, of course, but you can't reach out directly to the company because they're protecting that. But when you know who the company is and you can reach out, please do it. Next, be responsive. So you want to respond promptly to any requests for additional information. If they say schedule interview, you know, not only because Responding promptly means that you're going to be moving the process along, but it also speaks to your enthusiasm, your, you know, it kind of also speaks to how you might be as a worker if you're responding promptly and not letting things sit. Next, communicate availability. During the interview process, you want to let the company know about your availability for subsequent interviews or assessments. So, you know, if you've got a vacation planned, you're going to be out of the country, it's been planned, let them know. Let them know, hey, I'm, I'm not available on Wednesdays because of X or the best time to reach me is or I'm available. And you want to be, you want to make yourself as available as possible. But if there are some times that you cannot meet, let them know. Next, provide references early. I recommend that you send them with your initial application materials, but not as part of your resume. We don't do that anymore. It is a separate document. I had it as, you know, references for, and I put my the same contact information that is on the resume, name, usually that's name, phone number, email address, that kind of thing. And then the way I like to list those is Sue Smith, former supervisor at wherever, Email, mailing address, they're never going to mail them, but but whatever information you have, email, phone number maybe. But it's really important that in that you include how you know that person because that helps the reference checker kind of understand the connection between you and that person before they reach out and want to ask some questions. Next, prepare documents in advance. So you want to anticipate additional documents the company might work if it might want. So if there are certificates, diplomas, work samples, have them ready to submit and and be proactive about that. 
Next, ask about the timeline. Before you leave the first interview and really any subsequent interview, make sure you understand the hiring timeline, expected next steps, and then I like for you to say, hey, would it be all right if I if I reach out to you and touch base, you know, and, and give a timeline that meshes with what they just told you. So if they say, we're going to have, we're going to finish our first round interviews this Friday, we'll start next week calling people back in for second interviews. Would it be all right if I checked in with you on Friday afternoon? Something like that. Next, network internally. If you have contacts within the company or the industry that maybe can, you know, help you in a roundabout way, get back to the decision maker, reach out to those people and and inquire, you know, about your hiring status, any suggestions, updates on your application. Could those people maybe put in a good word for you as well? Next, demonstrate your interest. You want to express enthusiasm for the role in the company. And this is so basic, and yet so many people don't do it. And one of the things that I recommend, and this is specific to the interview, is Part of the closing, your closing in the interview should be you thank them, you restate your interest in the position, and, you know, you ask next steps. So expressing interest might say, I just want to let you know that now that we've had this interview, I'm even more excited about this opportunity, particularly and maybe give an area that is really exciting to you. Don't assume that because you've applied, they know you're interested because, as you know, a lot of people just apply to apply because they think that's useful in some way, which it is not. Next, provide complete information. You never want to not fill out the the application completely. Make sure that your resume is complete. Now, complete doesn't mean everything you've ever done. Please hear me say that. But it does need to be complete with relevant information. So that are your skills on there? Have you customized it to the job? Are your experiences relevant? Are your achievements speaking to your ability to do this job that you've applied for? Next, Prepare for assessments. If the hiring process is going to include tests or assessments, be well prepared to take them promptly when offered. So kind of that same point of respond quickly, get on there, take them, and, and you know, make sure that you're showing your, because that really speaks to your enthusiasm and excitement for the job as well. Next, stay in communication. Depending on the timeline that the company has provided you, how, how long this is supposed to go on, Weekly or bi-weekly check-ins, let the employer know you're still interested. And it's also a good idea for you to add value in those communications. You know, hey, just wanted to let you know I'm 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 hope I'm hoping to hear from you in the next week or so as to next steps in the interview process. Thought you'd like seeing this article from my local newspaper. That kind of thing can go a long way. Next, keep them apprised of other offers. So once you've received a job offer from another employer, let the employer know. Let this this one that you've been having interviews with know, but don't give them too much information. And this is only necessary if you still are interested in this company A. So let's just, let's set this up. So you've been interviewing with company A, really interested, really like the job. Company B has given you an offer. It is attractive and you would take it, but A is maybe still your first choice or maybe they're kind of neck and neck. Most people don't understand this, but you want to reach out to company A and say, hey, I wanted to let you know. And here's how you want to say this, because you want to give them enough information that they know you're not jerking their chain. But at the same time, you don't want to box yourself in with information that they could then use to find out, for example, what is the starting salary of that job going to be? Or, you know, is there anything about it that, you know, they just have to sweeten the pot a tiny little bit to make you make it more attractive? 
So you might say, I want to let you know that I have been in interviews with another CPG company and they have offered me a very attractive position. I have a formal offer letter in hand. So it's that kind of thing. And what you're essentially doing is giving company A an opportunity to purchase you, right? You are a commodity. You're a highly valued commodity. Company B has already offered to buy you at a certain price for a certain set of job duties. You want to see if company A wants to match or exceed that offer. And then finally, know when to cut your losses. First of all, I never recommend that you put all your eggs in one basket. And I hear that a lot from candidates who they get after maybe two interviews, they really stop looking. They have their heart set on this job and they really want it so much, but they, they, so they think they've got it or they think they have a really great chance at it. So until you've assigned, signed an employment agreement, keep looking. Don't put all your eggs in that basket. Now, the reverse, if you think you're being ghosted by an employer, you probably are. Don't burn bridges. Don't get angry at them. But it's okay to notify them and say, hey, I just, it, it appears that you've moved on with other candidates. I had a candidate recently who told me that he actually saw the job posted again. And so he notified him, hey, I see that you've reposted the job. And, and in his situation, he was located out in Utah and his boss, it was, it was a remote job, but his boss was in, I think, like Charlotte or somewhere on the East Coast. And he felt pretty certain that the reason they reposted it was because the boss, while it was a remote job, wanted somebody that could come into the office when needed. And so he kind of expressed that. He kept the bridge open. He, you know, he didn't burn it. He let them know he really appreciated their time. Clearly, he wasn't there. You know, he wasn't the best choice for them, and he wished them well. So that's okay. Don't, don't burn that bridge because you never know when that's going to come back and bite you. So let's talk about the DIY versus DFY segment, do-it-yourself versus done-for-you. So DIY, if you're managing your job search on your own, the biggest piece of advice that I can give you is to keep detailed records. This is essential. If you're going to be applying to 10, 12 companies, taught networking with folks, got a lot of irons in the fire, you really need to be able to keep up. When did you submit an application? Keep track of all the communications you send or you receive notes on what was said, all of that. Now, there are programs out there that will organize this for you, some for a fee, and there may be some you know, free versions of those. I don't have one that I particularly recommend. I find that an Excel spreadsheet works just fine, but you can Google and check out and see if you can find something that really you know, floats your boat. Now, done for you, I want to be clear, you don't want someone doing your job search for you. And, and they really aren't out there. Make no mistake, when a recruiter says that he's going to find you a job, he's not really saying that. He's going to say, he's going to see if any of the employers who have hired him need you, right? He's not working for you. He is working, he or she is working for an employer, and that is who will pay the bill if this recruiter brings forward the winning candidate. So you're going to be doing your job search. But what you may need help with is planning a job search strategy and then executing that job search strategy, dealing with mid-course corrections, inevitable roadblocks, stumbling blocks, all of that, and also keeping your mindset positive throughout the process. So if you if you want to have an expert in your pocket to plan your strategy, help you navigate all of that, and, and really help you and support you in achieving your goals, then I put my link in the show notes to my, my calendar, and you can schedule a call for me to learn about my one-on-one coaching program around the job search so that I can help support you in that way. All right. I hope this has been helpful today. 
yeah, the job market is interesting and it's kind of an it's kind of nuts out there right now, but there are bright spots, glimmers of hope, and the more organized and proactive your job search is, the better for you. Take care and I'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.